you feel like your your jobs are all over the place, your career is all over the place, at some point it will sort of come together. Thanks for joining today. We're with Emily Kramer, who uh, I've had the good fortune of speaking to a few times, but I've been a longtime admirer of her career and the work she's done and the things she stands for and fights for. Uh, and so I'm super grateful to get to talk to you about your career and what you've got going on, but it's always best to hear directly from you. So Emily, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, my, my whole career has been spent pretty much as a marketer the bulk of it spent being an early marketer at startups. Um, so I've been like the first or second marketer about four times um, at places like Ticketfly, Asana, a uh, seed funding company called Astro and at Carta. Um, and then uh, now I am an advisor, investor, that kind of job that people are like, is that a real job? It is. It is a real job. But um, but helping helping startups build out their marketing functions now in lots of different ways. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you about that when we mash the stop button. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, I like to kick off this conversation always with when was the first time in your life that you thought about your career? And what I mean by that is you were taking deliberate action on the, the where like the actions you were taking were going to affect your work. Right. My, my daughter is very convinced she wants to be a singer, which hopefully she will be. But I'm not going to call it like deliberate yet um you know but when you're like you know saying okay this this might actually be what i spend my days doing yeah i i remember the first story about me talking about my career but this isn't really the answer but it's funny anyway and so i'll, I'll tell it i was at my friend's like first communion or, or something like that like i was like six or seven however old i don't know how old you are at that time and some stranger asked me what do you want to be when you grow up and i said i want to be the first woman president um, there you go. <laughs> and she said, what if you have to be the second? And I said, not interested. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that seems to just, I, I'm competitive. So there's that. Uh, but no, for real, I don't know. I think um, I was always like a academic kid who wanted to do well in school, but not like too well. You know, I didn't want to be like spending all my time on school, but I wanted to do well. So, I mean, probably for me, like I was fortunate enough that my parents gave me the opportunity in middle school to like, you know, pick where I wanted to go to school. Like, do you want to go to a private school or a public school or, or what's interesting to you? And I think at that point I was like, oh, I want to go to a private middle school so I can go to a really good private high school so I can go to a really good college. So I think for me, I don't know why I was thinking about that at like 11, um, but I, but I was. Um, so I think that, and then also, um, you know, I think in high school, I was when I probably thought the most about it because, you know, you're kind of like, especially, you know, in, in my situation at school, like they were very much like, where are you going to go to college? And like, uh, I think I also knew a number of people who were older and were friends with a number of people that were older because I went to, um, summer camp my whole life, like most of the summer as like a camper and then a counselor. And uh, so I was like friends with counselors who were a few years older. And so like they were starting oh, cool. to think about that, which I think was interesting and helpful and like helped me think about where I wanted to go to college and, and those kinds of things because they were in college. And I don't think, unless you have an older, older sibling that actually wants to hang out with you, which I have an older sibling, <laughs> but he didn't want to hang out with me until like six months ago. Um, no, that's not true. It was probably like 10 years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, unless you have that, like, I don't think you often hang out with people who are like three or four years older than you all the time, but I did like all summer. So that I think was really helpful. 
So no, no, at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. I knew that I probably wanted to like, you know, I knew that I didn't want to be a lawyer. I knew that I didn't want to be a doctor. So I guess I probably thought that I was going to be a, a lady of business, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I think I probably, I thought I was probably going to do something more mathy and like marketing is, has a math component, but of course, but I, I, I think I, when I went to college, I thought I was, I, I, my double major as a freshman was, uh, math and econ. So like, I think I really thought that, um, and then I was like, this is crazy. I don't like math this much. Um, so yeah, so I think it was more just like going through those motions and like, you know, I think fortunately being put on the path to like, you know, be able to do what I wanted to do with my career in school and all of that. So very fortunate in that regard to both have those older people as role models and also, you know, go to schools that set you up for success in terms of college and career and stuff like that. It's so, this, this is great because it's, it's such an interesting experience that we don't talk about explicitly because I think a lot of the way we shape our career decisions is by exposure. Yes. And it is true. Like this exposure to older people, I think a lot of them, a lot of people are, are exposures are parents, right? Yeah. So that's why so many people follow in the footsteps of their parents. But having, that's such an interesting thing of like this benefit of these older ca camp counselors, yeah. what they're majoring in. And you're like, oh, I look up to that person. Oh, they're yeah. studying that. That could be for me. Yeah. Um, I'd never thought about it that way, but that's such a nice benefit of that exposure at a young age. Yeah. I mean, camp was like very instrumental in my life like the way I got my we'll, we'll get to this but the way I got my job at Asana when it was like 35 people which is a pretty lucky job to get um was because someone who was my camper who was younger like three years younger than me was a recruiting coordinator there and we stayed in touch and when she moved to San Francisco we stayed in touch and um she was like you should meet the COO here and I was like okay and that's how I got that job so like <laughs> camp has remained like very uh, influential uh, in that regard. So you just, you never know where you're going to meet the people that help you get your, help you get your jobs. So. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So marketing, marketing has yeah. been present. You opened with it. Yep. You know, you studied econ and. Art fine. history. I switch, I switch okay. to econ and art history. I made a, a left turn or a right turn or some sort of turn away from math and econ. Yeah. So I studied econ and art history, which. The only thing that makes sense off of that really, not that anybody's major really needs to make that much sense with their career, but um, if you go to like liberal arts school, but um, I, the only thing that made sense was like, you could work at an auction house. I was like, I don't think I dress fancy enough for that. So <laughs> that wasn't going to be an option, but I did like consider interning at one of those places. And then I was like, no, like I want to go work at a record station, a record label at a radio station in college. So that's what I did instead. Um, so yeah, those were my majors. But I think what's interesting there is just that, like, I've always had, like, the, you know, mathematical side and the creative artistic side. So I've always been a mix of, like, left and right brain. So I think once I sort of realized that that's sort of like a superpower and there aren't a lot of people that have that mix um, of right brain, left brain, um, can be creative and can, like, you know, do a lot of cool things in Excel, like, I was like, oh, I should really like lean into this. And so um, for me, like my mom is a, uh, she was a teacher for a long time, but for the last whatever, like 20, 25 years, she's been doing stained glass full time, like large stained oh, glass cool. panels and stuff. And so she's, my mother is like very creative. Um, 
way more than me, but very, very creative person, very artistic. Um, and then my dad was a software engineer way back when. So, um, you know, always had those, like, got kind of pieces of both of them. So I started to explore the creative industries and creative side a little bit more in college, whereas in high school, I felt like more squarely focused on, like, you know, the math stuff. So how did you, so, okay, so you're done with school. Like, Mm -hmm. what was your first exposure to marketing as, like, an occupation? Yeah, I was actually, I mean, in college, I... I briefly mentioned this, but I I thought I wanted to work in in music. I'm the least musical person you'll ever meet. Maybe that's not true, but like I took piano as a kid, and my teacher told me after four years that I'd plateaued and I wasn't going to get any better. And I like tried really hard. So you know, it was never I was never going to be a musician, but I wanted to work in like the music and entertainment industry. I thought um, because I have always been someone that goes to a lot of uh, concerts, like since I was like 13 or 14. So. Um, I thought I wanted to work in that. I think that's like, again, it's like an exposure thing. You're like, I like this. Maybe it would be cool to like work in this. Um, it's not always true. Um, but uh, I, I worked at a radio station in college um, and kind of the only thing I was for a summer, the only thing I was really like qualified to do was like to be one of those people that like goes to the shows and like hands out, like, you know, like there were a bunch of shows put on by the radio station in Boston in the summer. So I would like go and like man the booth. Um, and do like other things like that. So that was in marketing. So I guess like that sort of exposed me a little bit to that a little bit more. And I guess I was just aware of marketing and, and then my next internship, like the next summer was at a record, a small record label in New York. Um, and that was in marketing as well. So it just was like made sense from what I had done before. Um, so after college, I was considering both, um, like working for a record label, like some larger record labels, was talking to a couple in New York. I decided that that was not a viable option because they paid like $0 in New York uh, in 2006 was like wildly more expensive than San Francisco, which is where I ended up moving. Um, So I quickly became disenchanted with the idea of working for a record label when I realized that I would not be able to um, afford anything else. Um, So I moved to San Francisco on a whim, um, like all my friends from college in Boston were um, moving basically to New York or staying in Boston. But I was like, I'll go out to San Francisco and like try something new. And I had a couple friends from college who um, like had an extra room in their house like month to month and were like, come out here and interview. So I had some interviews in process um, and I was c- kind of looking at like a, a, a range of things, but mostly in marketing, just cause like I had done those internships and kind of thought that that would leverage my, you know, kind of dual skill set. And um, yeah, so I guess I was like interviewing at Google for like some AdWords related job, like search related job. Um, I came out, like I was doing those interviews, but Google, especially then, like their interview process was like nine years long. Um, Like who has time for that? I mean, in retrospect, maybe I should have waited it out, but um, (laughs) I came out here and did some interviews and I interviewed at an ad agency and like got a job at an ad agency within a couple of weeks of like moving out to San Francisco. Again, it was like a different, different time, but um, I got that job and that kind of just like propelled things forward in, in marketing. So kind of just like happened. So actually that's a theme um, I bring up every once in a while for the folks that have experienced it and, and you have, we'll get into it, but is um, 
what I call like product-based versus project-based uh, contexts for your work. And I've heard, I, you know, I never worked in an ad agency, but I've heard from a lot of marketers that that's a really good experience. Like it's different than being like in-house. And I think any kind of craft-based position, architect, lawyer, accountant, this kind of like in-house is, is always kind of challenging. But um, with marketers, I think less so. Um, but there is this agency in-house um, dichotomy, I think, in marketing as well. And, yeah. and so yeah, what, how, how do you think about that now uh, in, in, terms of like, in terms of career advice for aspiring marketers? Yeah, look, like agencies have pros and cons. I was working at a huge agency, uh, Universal McCann, part of like McCann World Group. It's like the biggest agency. It's huge. Um, I was in San Francisco. There were 600 people in San Francisco at the time-ish. And our primary account was Microsoft. And it was like a long-term like agency of record, as they say, situation. I wasn't working on the creative side. I was working on the media side. I mean, it had some creative components, but I wasn't like making cool ads. Um, I was on the media planning side, which is like choosing where ads go and like optimizing them and like it's pretty mathy. But I got to work on, I, sh I guess I should have said this. It wasn't like totally random because I got to work on Microsoft Zoom, which was like the iPod nice. competitor at the time, like the MP3 player. In the music theme. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll go here. I'll get to work on Zoom. Like, uh, sort of like this will, I'll get to work with a bunch of music publications. Like, so I worked with like, you know, magazines were still kind of happening. Um, we're still kind of doing okay. So like, I'll get to like work with salespeople from like Rolling Stone and like buy ad space on like Pitchfork and like, you know, those that which still exists. Um, so I, it was kind of adjacent, right? So like, it was like, I, I'm doing kind of a different job, but I'll get to do it related to something that I care about and know about. Um, what was I saying? I went down the Zoom, the Zoom rabbit hole. So yeah, you were at a big agency. Oh yeah. Uh, and there yeah. was some intentionality to going. Yeah, and that yeah. You sort of kept with uh, this passion for music, yeah. but you couldn't be a musician, but you could leverage. <laughs> yeah, I just like going to shows and I like artists and I like, you know, like learning about them and discovering new music. Like this I still do that. Um so anyway, yeah, it related. I think I think the agency you had asked if the agency thing is a good career path. Pros and cons. Like smaller agencies, it's like super cyclical, like or not cyclical necessarily, but it ebbs and flows a lot based on clients that they're not for a long term. Like, again, like we didn't have that as much, but a little bit. Um, and typically like a lot of young people, at least in my experience, like everyone was like my age. We had a lot of fun. Um, like, again, we were like pairing with sales, ad sales people that would like take us out to do crazy things. It's a really weird job being a media planner. Um, you get like wooed by like salespeople. It's, it's really strange. Uh, it's like, if you've been a media planner, especially at like that time from like 2006 to 2008, you kind of have like a secret handshake. You're like, that was strange. <laughs> like we were making zero money, but we were getting all of this like weird free stuff. Like they would take us to like parties and like buy us jeans. Like we'd go to like jean stores and be like, here are fancy jeans, like weird, weird things. We were like, I can't afford to get home except for on the bus, but I'm getting free designer jeans. Like it just didn't make any sense. Okay, so when's that next moment that uh, kind of, you know, what I call career plateaus? You're like, okay, cool. Like, I think I'm good and like I'm ready for the next thing. How, how did that come about? Yeah, when I got an MBA, I went to Harvard Business School, um, which makes it sound like really casual. Like I, I, you know, worked hard to do all of those things and like take the GMAT and do well. And I had done well in college. And so I was sort of set up for that. So I think in some ways it just felt like I should go to grad school. I don't know if I ever thought, do I actually want to do this? And like, what will this do for my career? But it just kind of like, all came to be. And I was like, you know, proud of myself for like achieving that sort of 
you know, getting into a school like that and all of that. And so I, I, I went and, uh, I was one of, there's not many people that come from ad agencies that go to business school. Um, especially I started in 2009. So all of the applicants were from like 2008 when the market crashed. So we had a lot of like disgruntled eye bankers. Um, and there's always going to be a lot of consultants, but there weren't even a lot of like tech people in business school at the time. Like it shifted a lot and curriculum has shifted to like accommodate those people. But, um, I mean, there were certainly people that were interested in tech and startups and like, but it wasn't as many as there are now. So you finish, you got some exposure to marketing in a tech company, Yep. um, inside of it. And now you're done with school. I was still really interested in music, music and music tech and had like done some things related to that in business school and was like, wanted to start like a secondary ticketing company that competes with StubHub but isn't so evil, which would work really now in like the Web3 NFT world, but wouldn't have worked then. And so all that said, I ended up working at Ticketfly. I met some people there, like Ticketfly adjacent, ended up working there, um, which at the time, which now is part of Eventbrite, but like same sort of concept as Ticketmaster Eventbrite. So mostly um, marketing to venues and promoters, but there was like a consumer element too, but mostly like a B2B thing. Um, So I was leading product marketing and digital marketing. There was like a community and content person there when I joined Um, and like helped build out that, build out that team and um, yeah, kind of get used to like, or get experience like scaling a a startup marketing team and how startups operate and all that stuff. And, I was there for a year and a half. Um, that was again, like somewhat optimizing for lifestyle as well. Like all of the people that worked there loved to go to shows and like loved to, were like interested in the things that I was interested in and made a lot of really good friends that way. And so, um, yeah, like it really fit with what I liked to do. So it was really solid for like a month and a half. And then, um, I spent 10 days at South by Southwest, like, you know, for ticket fly, uh, you know, like hosting a bunch of events, going to a bunch of things. And, uh, I was like, all right, this will be my last, last hurrah here. <laughs> um, not really, but it kind of was like a good send off. Um, the time before I'd been at South by Southwest, I broke my leg. So, you know, um, 10 days at South by Southwest <laughs> better, better, back better in that <laughs> time period, like 10 plus years ago was a lot, you know, aggressive. So yeah. And then soon after that, like right after I, I was interviewing at Asana and I, I got, I got the job and I, it was, you know, great job. Couldn't turn it down. So went over there. So moments like that in, in the career are interesting, right? That ended up being a, a really pivotal job for you. Asana is a fantastic company with, you know, great leadership, but it came about through this previous camper that you mm-hmm. said so mm-hmm. like how'd you put that out into the world were you were you like sort of talking to people how'd they even know to suggest that you connect with the folks at asana i think I'm, i mean honestly like i think i think that you know kelsey and i had sort of like remained in touch she moved out here that's my friend from camp who was the recruiting coordinator she moved out here i was sort of trying to help her find new things um and um, she wanted to get into sort of startup world. And um, we just like stayed in touch. Like sometimes we'd go to like concerts together. And uh, I don't know, like, I think she might've just been like, oh, we're starting to think about bringing on sort of like a senior marketer. We don't really have anyone um, on the marketing side. Um, why don't you talk to the COO? I mean, it was just, I don't know. Like it was just kind of like happens. Like, I don't know exactly the conversation, but I think it was just like, 
you know, Kelsey was in recruiting and she knew they were starting to think about marketing. And she's like, marketer, I know. Like, I think it was just kind of like as simple as that. I mean, Kelsey in general is like a really great connector. So I imagine it was like, um, you know, came up on her side. But um, I think I like I wasn't looking at a bunch of places. Um, sure. Like I probably told them that I was, but, you know, <laughs> I wasn't really. Uh, Good so I wasn't so- like actively looking. So there you got to be you know, under 50 employee mm-hmm. and scale a, a big company that a, achieved a lot of really incredible things. Mm-hmm. And so what were, you know, as a career experience being there from a small team to growing a team, I mean, I would imagine you had to make a bit of that transition from like IC to manager, then you're hiring, you know, what were some of the most like memorable things there? Um, in those sort of like career pressures. Yeah. So I was like somewhat spoiled going to Asana as, you know, an early marketer in that there was a lot of awareness for Asana and it was free products. There have been a lot of free signups um, because the founder was a co-founder of Facebook. So a lot of like kind of, you know, uh, advantages there. Um, and the, we didn't have titles at the time or really ever. Um, but there was certainly like, like areas of responsibility or things that we knew that we owned. So like the COO person, like he wasn't, he wasn't the CEO, it seems Kenny, he had had a kind of a, a background in lots of different things, but had, had led marketing before as well as led product and things like that. So he was very helpful because I, you know, didn't really know much about content marketing at the time. I'd only done product marketing and, and I knew the growth marketing um, or like demand gen is very much growth marketing at Asana, but knew that stuff really well because of that background and sort of like paid ads and, and marketing metrics and all of that, like was deep in that, um, in advertising. So, um, you know, I knew about two thirds of like what to do in marketing, but like there were certainly things that were a huge gray area for me. So I had a mentor there. I mean, often when people go and start a marketing team, they're working with founders who have no idea how marketing works. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wasn't the case for me. Um, I was able to partner with like a COO who did. So he was really uh, instrumental in just helping me figure out what the hell I was doing in terms of like hiring (laughs) a team from like, you know, myself up to like 25 people. So uh, he was really helpful. And I think that that's something to, if you do take like a first whatever job at a startup, like first person in X function, if you haven't done it before, I mean, having, whether that be internally or externally, like a mentor who has is like very, very helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I just started um, building up the team and they kept letting me lead it. And that was great. Um, like I didn't go in necessarily thinking like I'm the head of marketing. I just sort of like kept hiring people, kept managing people and they, uh, didn't make me stop. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, something was working. So you established this, uh, I'll call it like self-awareness around zero to one stage that you liked. Yeah. Um, and you'd you know seen a couple different companies, a couple different sizes. So then, like knowing that about yourself, having honed these skills, having built a reputation for being able to do this, what came next? So like I, I guess I always thought that I would start a company. Um, so I was like, maybe I should go back to something um, smaller to see if I like want to do that. 
Now, at this point, I'm becoming like a very overly prepared person to start a startup, and I probably should have just done it. Like, oh, I'll go to business school. Like, that's not necessarily a great primer for starting a company. But I was like, I'll go to business school. Like, that was one of the things in, in my mind for that. And like, oh, like, I'll join multiple startups early on. Like, just if you're going to do it, just do it. But um, uh, I um, I went to a seed funded company that was like eight people and was the first business hire besides the CEO who was a businessman. Um, former, former sales BD person. So went there and helped them launch, uh, sort of a similar product to Asana, um, and, uh, helped them launch, helped them raise their series A, like actually was part of the fundraising process, which is kind of rare as a non-founder, but, yeah. um, and, you know, helped got all the, helped get all the initial users and helped, you know, sort of shape somewhat of what we were doing on the product side as well. So, you know, lots of exposure to overall, like running a startup in general and hired both a growth marketing person and a support slash uh, person of all, person of all trades um, on my team. And that was over just under two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was like, I actually want to go back to something bigger. Like I want to be able to build another marketing team or, or come into an existing marketing team and build it bigger. So I, I just wanted like, I, re- I realized that I really liked hiring and like building mm. teams. Um, I love figuring out marketing strategy as well and what comes along with it. But I, I really like that. I think a lot of people don't like hiring, um, especially for marketing where there's lots of different roles and it can be complicated. I actually like love it. Um, I love talking to new people. I love figuring out how people are going to fit into the organization. Again, marketing is like a puzzle. There's so many different combinations of skill sets. I like, like seeing how that fits together. And, um, yeah, so I, I wanted to go back and do that. So that's when I went to Carta. Um, and at the time I didn't want to do exactly what I'd done before, but I wanted to obviously, you know, leverage the experience that I like knew how to build marketing from from scratch to like a pretty good scale um, in terms of startup scale. Um, so I joined Carta. It was just around just a little bit under 300 people. Um, oh, wow. OK, I thought it was I thought it was earlier. OK, so it was Series C, um, but they didn't really had have marketing. They had like a false start on marketing. Marketing was sort of like a bad word there. Um, they'd had some salespeople that were doing some marketing had work. Had they rebranded already? Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll speak on that. And they had some like, uh, product people doing some like product marketing, but not like a real organized marketing team. Um, they had rebranded from eShares to Carta like a few months before I joined, but they didn't have a marketing team, which is actually like an amazing feat. Like yeah. that they like <laughs> did it and rolled it out and like rolled out a new website. But there was still a lot of confusion with like customers and prospects. I'm like, is this two companies or one or what's happening? So there was some work there and there was a large sales team at the time mm-hmm. um, in multiple different business units. So really like had to double time build out a team to support sales teams and the product teams and multiple business units and like build out a lot of like ops work at the beginning, like bring our tooling and analytics like up to where it should be for a company, uh, you know, at 20 million plus ARR. Um, and so I, I built that team to about little bit bigger than my team at Asana, um, about 30 people over like just under, or just over a year and a half. Um, so like double time from how I did that at Asana and the company like forexed in revenue ish in the time, in the time that I was there. Um, so really fast growth when I was there, lots of 
lots going on. So, and, but like the thing that was awesome about being there, like the positive, like I, I, um, I hired like four people that had worked with me before at, at from somebody from Ticketfly, um, two people from Asana and one person from Astro. So like somebody from my previous three startup jobs. So now you were at Carta, you've found this passion for compensation and helping level the playing field. You've yep. started a bunch of incredible initiatives. Um, yeah. So what, how has that, and now, you know, you're, you're consulting, you yes. know, you've made the transition from someone who was, you know, an employee basically hundred percent of the time with yeah. these like dreams of starting something to now being able to work on lots of startups and yeah, I actually, I just had a conversation earlier with someone who runs a pro, his name, Sam Lee does Indie Collective, and he's a multi-hyphenate, like he gets to do lots of things. It feels yeah. like you're more in that space now. So what's that, what's that yeah, transition sort of, like, and how uh, are you getting to do that? Yeah. Um, so for me, there was like a number of things that kind of happened simultaneously. Um, and I had a pretty over, I mean, everyone's had, had an overwhelming, you know, past couple of years, but I had a lot of, a lot of things kind of all happen at once. So yeah, I became very interested in compensation leveling the playing field at Carta. Actually ended up filing a lawsuit against Carta when I left um, about six months later, um, which led me to decide to want to work on some of my own projects and sort of not go in-house because of that experience. Um, kind of led me to say like, you know, I'm going to start advising. And then I also got diagnosed with cancer. I'm okay. Um, you got to say that really quickly afterwards. So within six months, it was like, uh, filed a public lawsuit. Um, yeah, started advising some companies and, and doing some consulting projects and realizing I wanted to do that more than like working on some startup ideas and, um, got diagnosed with advanced stage lymphoma. Um, so it was like a lot happened, but I think all of these things kind of made me realize like how much I wanted to kind of be able to make my own schedule, be able to like move around to things I want to do, work on things that I'm really like interested and passionate about. And also just like have a little less stress. <laughs> um, so, and for me, like that means different things for different people, but for me, that means kind of being a little bit more in control of what I'm doing. So all of these things um, kind of led. And so I did like five months of chemo last year while building out my advising business with my friend Kathleen um, so we paired up to start advising companies together, not really sure where it would go. Um, and just there's a huge amount of demand for marketing help for early and growth stage startups, building up functions. So we did a handful of things at first from like doing consulting projects to like advising for equity to mentoring marketers, helping with recruiting, a whole host of things. And have since kind of narrowed in on the things that we do. Um, and also because I was meeting with so many new companies, I started angel investing quite a bit. Um, and kind of got into that. And then that led us to launch a, a syndicate for investing, which is basically just for any deal, like we get an allocation from the startup to invest, let's say like $100,000. And then instead of putting our own money in, we can go and raise money for that specific deal and then put that whole bucket of money into the startup. Yeah. So we did that for, uh, you know, a few deals and then we decided that we wanted to raise a fund so that we can, you know, raise money up front and then invest it in a bunch of startups. So, um, and we had sort of built up the track record for doing that by working with a bunch of companies and also investing, but the combination of those two and just showing, 
you know, we can pick companies that end up being successful and we add a real value and all of these founders really enjoy working up with us. And we've kind of become this go-to resource for SaaS companies building marketing. Um, so yeah, we started raising a fund. My business partner had a second kid. Well, so we're like kind of doing both things on the side. We like to do as many things as possible all at once, apparently. Of course. We're like, how did we? Uh, so yeah, so we um, are doing that. So yeah, I'm continuing to just work with a lot of early and growth stage SaaS companies on building marketing. And a lot of that means helping them hire the right marketers and making sure they're like set off on the right foot with marketing strategy. But sometimes it means going more hands-on and doing, you know, like helping a company figure out packaging and pricing. Like it, it, it kind of varies. Um, and it's ebbed and flowed over, over the last year and a half. But, um, yeah, it's been sort of, I think, you know, when I, when I describe it all, I'm like, it's, it's very simple in one sentence. Like I have a clear through line, which everyone needs, I think, to, to get a job. You need a good through line. Uh, I didn't have the through line in advance and I don't think anybody really does, but now the through line is very clear. It's like, oh, I, you know, I have always been an early marketer at startups, done that a number of times. And now I help lots of startups do that by both giving them, lending them my expertise and helping them along and also investing capital. So it's become like this very easy story. Um, and I'm like, wow, that seems really buttoned up. Like, seems like I really had a plan there. And like, I guess I, I did, but uh, for someone that has a very clear through line, it was not very on purpose. Um, so uh, I think keep that in mind if you feel like you're, your jobs are all over the place. Your career is all over the place. At some point, it will sort of come together. Honestly, it's almost happened with every single one of these conversations yeah. I've had. Yeah. Um, because I think people are far more intentional than they give themselves credit for. Yeah. And, you know, the folks that I feel like are frustrated with their careers are the ones that have this end goal in mind and are not enjoying and looking for opportunities to grow in the process which yes. you were, right? You always had, at least it seems like you had a sense of what you wanted to do next. Maybe not like yes. the next, next or the next, next, next. Yes. But, you know, the nexts kind of, you know, kept going and, you know, the, the music stuff is still there. You still do a little bit of it. Maybe it comes back, but it wasn't how the next thing sort of built on onto the thing you ended up doing. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think it's um, those things end up working out. You know, yeah. if you have this intentionality at the base of it, at the core of it. And I think, you know, one of the questions, one of the questions I like asking people in interviews that always throws them off job, off guard and like asking people that I'm managing is like, uh, what do you want your job after this job? Like you're looking for a job now. What do you want the job after that to be? Um, and people are like, why? I thought you were going to ask me why I wanted this job. I'm like, no, what, what do you want your next job to be? Because that, that really matters. Like if you want to be a head of marketing like you need to learn all the areas of marketing. You can't just like stay in one silo. If you want to be really good at that one part of marketing, then you should stay in that. So it like actually kind of matters. So yeah, I kind of always knew, or I thought I knew like a couple steps ahead. But again, like I always thought I, thought I would start a startup. I never thought I would start a fund, um, but it like, you know, makes sense for what I'm doing and what I like to do. And and uh, yeah, it it. it now it makes a ton of sense, but it, it didn't always. Well, that's another recurring theme is yeah. what I like doing and what I want to be doing you know, and what I'm good at doing. You know, yeah. And the more people – and it sounds like even from you know, the earliest times in your career, you were honing in on that as well. Um, so, Emily, thank you so much for the time. This was an awesome conversation. There's uh, so much for people to learn here. Um, how can folks follow along with what you're up to or you know, the content you're putting out there? Yeah. 
So my Twitter is Emily Kramer, just my name. Um, my work stuff is uh, MKT1, like market one, uh, .co. I don't know if we pronounce it market one or MKT1. We, we didn't think too much about our you name. Decided it's classic yet. Sales, so <laughs> MKT1.co. Um, you'll find our newsletter there. We have a newsletter right about marketing stuff. Um, we also help candidates that are looking for experienced marketers who are looking for early and growth stage roles. We work with so many companies that we're always happy to talk to candidates that are looking for those jobs and then match make across the startups that we work with. So feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can do that through our website um, on that as well. So those are the main ways, my Twitter uh, and my company website. I guess my LinkedIn too, also just my name. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, we'll link to all of those in the show notes, wherever you're watching or listening. Emily, thank you so much. Uh, I feel like I learn every time we talk. I learned a bunch this time. I have so many like separate follow-up conversations with you. So thanks Great. so much. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And that's it for this episode of Nonlinear. If you enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe, share, and rate us wherever you're listening to the show. You can learn more about Teal on our website, tealhq.com. That's teal like the color, T-E-A-L-H-Q.com. Or follow us on social media at teal underscore HQ. Thank you so much for joining us. And please tune back in to keep hearing about how we make the decisions that shape our career. The Teal Career Paths podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with senior producer Matthew Jones and editor and associate producer Drew McPowell. You can find more information on them at rainbowcreative.co. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.